I can't tell you how important it's been for my marriage to talk about how we're thinking about things, why we're saying the things, so that we could understand kind of the perspective we may be coming from. It makes it easier. ADHD Rewired, episode 281. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We have a mastermind session today with the admin. These are alumni who have helped out uh, in a previous group of our coaching groups. They helped out in the 16th season. And today we have Derek in the hot seat. Um, so we'll come to Derek last. So here we have Madeline, Audrey, Aggie, Bill, and Roxy. And I'm just giving them all up just a second to say hello, Madeline. Hello, I'm Madeline. And Audrey. Hi, I'm Audrey. <laughs> All right. And Agnes. Hi, it's Agnes Raggy. All right. And Bill. Eric, it's good to be here. Good good to see you, Bill. And Roxy. Hi, I'm Roxy. All right. So, Derek, you were going to share with us uh, uh, some, some challenges you're having around communication, setting boundaries. Um, so why don't you kind of just take it? Take us through um, sort of the highlights of what it is that you want us to help you with today. Okay. Uh, just generally, I wanted to mastermind about communication, about setting boundaries, um, having and expressing expectations, um, like asking more of what's expected of me so that I know those expectations. Um, you know, maybe if we run out of things to talk about, maybe speaking to rejection sensitive dysphoria. Okay. Um, there was a lot of the stuff that I read in your, um, uh, in your worksheet where you, one of the things you said that right now, cause you said you want to be better at communicating with other people and that you want to be better at letting your feelings, your true feelings uh, be known. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah. So um, when I communicate, you know, this is basically boiling down to probably communication with my wife. Um, a lot of times, and it's kind of, I, I spoke to it in my, my original mastermind, there's kind of a, a perfectionism aspect when it comes to conversations. And so I want to, obviously, everybody wants to get their point across. I want to get my point across. But then I'm also aware, very aware of things that will escalate a situation that will put somebody on the defensive. And I generally try to avoid doing so. And so I get stuck because I'm not really able to express what I feel without, you know, for fear of escalating something, you know, getting somebody on the defensive. And so a lot of times, you know, I just get stuck and then 
I'll just, instead of trying to really work it out and it's uncomfortable, I'll just go, well, I'll just take the L on this and just say, sorry, I'm a bunch of times and move on. Does your wife know that internal struggle that you're having? I don't think totally, Okay. you know, not the depths of it. I, I know she has trouble. Uh, she knows I had trouble expressing myself. And, you know, a lot of times she, she'll say, you know, I say something to you and there's just big long pause and it makes me really uncomfortable, but I'm trying to think of the exact thing to say that like balances gets both of those out. And then a lot of times I can't come up with those words or the, ex- the way to express that. Okay. Um, has there, has there been experiences of you expressing yourself and it not coming off the way like that you really want to, or uh, you say things that are hard for you to, to correct or take back? Um, I don't think that's really happened that I can really put my finger on okay. and recall. I, it probably has. I don't really remember, but I usually, I usually don't like get to that point. Okay. And you also said that you have a tendency to uh, over explain stuff and like reasons for doing things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times, because I know nobody wants to hear excuses and I'm very well aware that I, I learned that lesson pretty early on. And so I try not to excuse myself, but I want people to understand why it happened, why I made this mistake you know, I put in there that, you know, I don't want people to think I'm a complete idiot, you know, but, you know, I just want them to understand how I got, how I arrived at saying something or did something or did something incorrectly. Like, you know, I want people to know my intentions were correct, but I kind of went in incorrect way. And so a lot of times I, I over explain that and people don't want to hear that. How do you know? It comes off as an excuse. Um, I see their eyes kind of glaze over. <laughs> I recognize it on their well, faces. Is, is it that they don't want to hear it or that you're giving monologues to explain it? Mm, I kind of see what you're getting at, but could you explain that a little bit more? I think sometimes when we are uncomfortable in a conversation, um, we have the tendency to just keep talking instead of like say the thing and then shut up. Yeah. Because... What, what, where that uncomfortable uh, point in the conversation comes is when you shut up and there's a little bit of silence, right? And that little bit of silence just might be that you're, whether it's your wife or whoever else you're talking with, they're just processing what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think in that exact way, I don't necessarily just talk to fill like a, a vacuum type thing, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming at. And a lot of times, I mean, just more of an explanation. I tend to see things like in shades of gray, you know, instead of just black and white, you know, I, I compress all these layers of gray in there. And so I want people to know that, hey, you know, I wasn't here totally black. I was like kind of in this, like kind of on this, you know, on this the wheel of shades of gray. That's here, not here. That's like right there, but not here, like right here. And I try to explain that. So you're trying to, so you're trying to sort of shine the light of the process of how you overthink something. Is that right? Okay. I wonder what what questions everyone else might be having at this moment. I've confused everybody. No, no. I think that uh, there's a lot of relatability here, uh, Roxy. 
Yeah, relatability for sure. Um, my question is, do you have relationships where you can communicate freely and unedited? Are there some of those or are they all kind of like what you described with your wife? You know, that's probably not because that's my deepest relationship, but mm-hmm. you know, with, with the kids and our, our situation and everything, I'm not as like social as I was before. I don't have as many social interactions, but, but even before, you know, I have my, my friends and, you know, have different layers of like interactions with them, like with a friend. I mean, you like with one of my guy friends or like a college friend, I mean, it's almost like kind of junior high relations where, you know, we're talking about sports, we're making fun of somebody, making fun of one of our other friends who may or may not be in our presence. But I mean, it's that kind of stuff. So it's all kind of different. But yeah, the deepest one is with my so my wife and then with my family, my parents, things like that. Okay. Uh, Audrey? Um, I was curious kind of how much you, so in your mastermind cheat, you had talked about, you know, you mentioned communicating your feelings and whatever else it is you're trying to communicate clearly to your wife in particular, but you'd also brought up setting boundaries in some of those more like passing social interactions, like when you're making small talk with someone at the gym. And so I was just curious. I mean, I see obviously how those are connected, but they also feel a little bit different in some ways. So I'm, I guess I'm looking for some direction from you on like which one of those things is more, um, I guess, challenging or pressing for you right now. Yeah. You know, the, the, the gym thing, that's, you know, or just talking people in passing, that's kind of a, a superficial thing by me. It's something that, you know, because just communication in general, I want to be mindful of. And so that's one of the things that came out, you know, that's not like as pressing as probably more with, or with my wife, but I mean, sometimes she, she critiques my, my interactions with people. Like I can see her and she's going, yeah, you're talking to that greeter church a little bit too long. And so I'm trying to like, you know, kind of find the perfect ending where I interact enough, but not too much, but enough mm-hmm. and a clean break and we're on our way type thing. So sometimes I ask her for, you know, Hey, how was that? Was that pretty good? I'm sorry. They said something really interesting. I had to follow up with that. <laughs> Yeah. I'm wondering how much of your interactions, both with your wife and with other people that you're, you know, like people at the gym or at the church, is the voice in your head singing the anthem of don't screw this up, Derek, don't screw this up, Derek. Like, is that like, I'm wondering kind of what, what's guiding your interactions? Um, I don't go in with that. Okay. Don't screw this up thing, which actually would be a pretty good thing because then I probably avoid more, more interactions and then I'm going to have to deal with this as much, but it's more like, uh, it's not like a conscious thing, but I want to make it like a great conversation. I want to make it like a really cool interaction because I, I enjoy talking to people and I just, all right. So is it like you're going into a conversation and you're like, all right, I want to be awesome. <laughs> I don't think I consciously do that. I go on, come on, Derek, we can do this. We can make this great. We can make this like three sentence interaction with this, with a front desk person, the gym. Let's make it our best one yet. I don't do that, but I just, I just always want to talk to people and interact and I don't want it. I want it to be good. I don't have like a scale on it. But so is, is the challenge that like you're, you're comfortable interacting with people, but then you, once you're interacting, you realize that, you went on too long that you 
I mean, is that part of what, what happens? Sometimes, sometimes where it's like, I go, you know, cause I work out at the gym in the morning. And so, you know, I have a finite amount of time because I have to go back home, right. And take care of the, you know, get things ready in the morning. And I'll sit there and go, Hey, I've been talking to this guy for 15 minutes. And that means 15 minutes less time to work out and get things done. And then I'm not going to be able to go get gas from Costco because nobody wants to go to Costco and get gas during the middle of the day. You want to do it in the morning when it's, when it's crowded and it's going, okay, well, that went a little bit long. Lesson learned. We won't do that next time, but then I do it again next time. Hmm. Are you in the middle of that interaction? Are you recognizing that it's going long or not until like after the fact? I I do often, it depends on how the conversation goes. Like if I'm stuck and I want to get out of it, I definitely notice. And, and I'm thinking that gets to the, Ooh, how do I make a clean break on this? Where's like a perfect ending for this? Where do I end on where I'm not just going, Oh yeah. And about, how about those Mets and uh, Hey, time to go. I'd like to hear from, from uh, you guys. What do you do when you need to exit a conversation? I don't want to do the phone call thing either. I go, no, hey, my wife just called me at 4.30 in the morning. Got to go. <laughs> Roxy? Depends on who I'm talking to. Sometimes I wind it down by verbalizing the assumption that they're done talking too. So <laughs> I do that. Eric, are you done? You can say, Derek, I can tell you're no, I'll be like, interesting things to say. So I can. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, yeah, something like that. But more like, I know you're busy and... So I'll let you go. Thanks for chatting. Or if if I'm talking to somebody and I don't have any fears or concerns, I will just say, I, I got to go now. Um, but usually I wait for some safe entry point so that I don't um, risk like offending them or making them feel like I'm rejecting them because I worry that much. You know, I think that one of the things that in a interaction, like say in, in the locker room or something at the gym, if someone brings something up, if you're having a, a conversation, it's not a shower. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> well, if, but if you're talking to someone and, and maybe a second topic gets brought up, you could say, you know what, I'd love to talk to you about this, but I actually, I only have so much time to work out and then I got to run. Um, so like, I'll, I'll see you next time you're at the gym. It's pretty good. Yeah. Cause a lot of times that'll happen. Sometimes I'll go, yeah, I need to get out of that and go, Oh wow. That's really interesting. I want to talk about that. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh no, 10 minutes later. Oh crap. Madeline. Yeah. I, um, usually when I'm trying to exit, I, I wait until them just until they're done stop talking, even in the middle of a conversation. And I will be like, well, this is really interesting. I'm sorry. I got to go. And then like, I'll start backing up before that point too, like slowly inching my way away from them. Like obviously needing to go somewhere like body language. Yeah. You know, and with body language too, like have your feet point towards the direction you are trying to go with one foot leading towards that direction. Right. It, it sends a nonverbal cue to that person uh, that you're, you're trying to, uh, to head in that direction. Um, and if you're talking to someone who's not picking up on the, the cue, um, then you just sort of, you have to be direct. You might look at your time and be like, Hey, I love, I'd love to stay in chat. All right. But I got to, I only have, I have limited time. Aggie. Um, I too have found it really challenging, um, when other people don't take the cues. Cause I always think that I'm always late. So I bounce in and out of the, I'm really in this conversation too. 
I'm time blind. <laughs> and so I have a trouble with that too. But the more I kind of just share it with people, the more it's not that random because I, I'm working on it, you know? Um, but it is really hard. If I can, best practice, before I start the interaction, I'm like super clear about the expectation about how much time I have for myself. And it feels like I'm like doing too much, but it's the only time that I'm actually successful because I don't know how people live life just having open conversations and have all these like three hours where they just, <laughs> it seems lovely, but it's not my life. So um, that's, I, I battle with the same thing, but that has kind of helped me if I really like target it really like structured. And Bill? Derek, I can so relate to what you're talking about. Um, people come up to me all the time and they start talking to me. And what's crazy is sometimes they're telling me things I don't want to hear. Like, oh, I've never told anybody this, but they start going into this information. And I don't know, everybody thinks I'm like their best friend and I don't even remember their names. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's hard when it's kind of going uh, both ways. Um, you know, I think it's important that you, you know, you mentioned something about fear and being afraid of their perspectives. And, and so often we can misread what people are thinking and what they're doing. But you need to, I think you need to feel strong about, you know, what you're doing and when you have to go. And you're respecting them by also respecting yourself. And so, you know, maybe you can overcome some of those fears with that. And I think part of it, you know, what we're looking at the, the small talk kind of situations or the conversations uh, with, with your wife it's really asking yourself the question, what is it that you need in this moment? And honoring that, right? Um, I think if we can be aware of, of that, because um, with the small talk, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard in, in one-off situations, but if we have, if there's patterns, we can better prepare in those kinds of situations, right? But really just asking ourselves, what, what is it that we, that we need? What is it that we want? Um, and sort of live into that. Uh, what I want to do is take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to uh, kind of dive in uh, more deeply to talk about uh, boundaries and uh, and how we can really help you with um, navigating some of the, these conversations uh, more specifically with your wife. All right. We will be right back. All right. I got a bit of an update for everyone on this fall's coaching and accountability groups. Over the last couple of years, I've done three groups at a time every winter and fall. And this is the second year where I'm doing two groups during the summer. I've decided to best serve my coaching groups and my alumni community. I'm going to stay at doing two groups instead of going back to three. As a business owner, I need to continue to spend more time working on the business, which means I need to reduce my time working in the business, at least for now. I have some big goals for the future of ADHD Rewired and for our coaching communities. So in order to get where I really want to take the business so I can better serve and reach more people in the ADHD community, I need to say no to some good things like doing a third group so I could say yes to something great. This wasn't an easy decision though because I know it will impact revenue in the short term, but I need to be able to have the bandwidth to create what I'm trying to create and deliver the highest quality coaching groups while producing the podcast, running a membership community for my alumni, building and growing my team and everything else I do and to have time and energy for my family. I need to cut something somewhere 
in the short term in order to create other things that will serve you and hopefully the business in the long term. Before this group, I thought I had to do everything. And I learned that it's really good to offload stuff. It's really good to say no to stuff. One of the things that I gained the most about the course too, to realize that I am overbooking myself, that I was becoming a slave of my to-dos and everything else. Fall sessions will run October 4th through December 20th. Sessions are going to be Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Next week, I'm going to tell you the exact time we're going to have these sessions. So telling you that here is my accountability to make sure that I update you guys next week. These groups fill up faster every season. This summer, we fill up after only four registration events. Right now, so far more than 60 people have added their names to get invited to register. So if you've been struggling to live a more intentional, productive, and wholehearted life, and you've been thinking about joining one of our coaching and accountability groups, I want to make sure you get invited to our fall registration kickoff event. Registration is by invitation only. So to add your name to the invite list, you got to go to coachingrewired.com and click the yellow button near the top of the page that says click here to be the first to get invited. It's yellow. It's a big button. It's got a little email icon on the button. Click the yellow button at coachingrewired.com and I'll be sure to send you an invitation when we've set a date for registration. In the meantime, take a moment to make a plan. Take out your calendars if you can find your calendars. Schedule some time to talk to your loved ones about joining this group if that's something that you think you need to do because you don't have to do this alone. If you're thinking about joining this group, do it. It will be life-changing. The website again is Coaching Rewired. Hey, could you use $750 to put towards getting help for your ADHD? I'm really excited to announce, if you missed it last week on the podcast, that we have two $750 scholarships that we are going to be giving to two listeners to put towards our fall coaching and accountability groups. This is not a full scholarship. You will need to make a financial investment so you have skin in the game. If you're ready to invest the time, we need some financial assistance. Thanks to support from our patrons who give each month over at Patreon. We're going to meet you halfway. To apply for these scholarships, go to ADHDrewired.com slash scholarship. But don't wait. The deadline is Friday, August 16th. We're accepting applications at ADHDrewired.com slash scholarship. That's ADHDrewired.com slash scholarship. All right, we are back and uh, we are talking about boundaries. Derek is in the hot seats. And um, Derek, what, where do you want to go from here? Because I know uh, right before the break, we talked about uh, setting up or talking about uh, uh, more deeply around um, issues around the conversations with your wife. Is that where you'd like to go next? Yeah. That wasn't convincing. Yes. The, 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 not, the nonverbal, uh, it was kind of a head nod with a shoulder up, which tells to me he doesn't believe what he just said. Uh, uh, which direction my feet were pointing. <laughs> oh, camera. I love when, you know, the, the audio is just good when you have video. <laughs> All right. So when you're having these interactions with your wife, and you feel like you're having a hard time getting your community, your, your message off. Or you said that in your mastermind sheet, you said, um, that when conversations go badly, it really deflates you. Like unpackage that a little bit for us. Yeah. You know, I, it, 
it might be a little bit difficult to unpackage because I never really noticed it before. I think it, it hits me harder now, but it really affects like everything about me because like things I like, I don't care about as much. Everything is just like taken like a notch or two down. Like colors aren't as bright, stuff like that. Not necessarily like totally depressed, but it's just. Well, that was what I was about to ask. I'm like, Derek, are you, have you seen a psychiatrist to reevaluate for depression? Cause that sounds like, I bet it almost sounds like a commercial. Like the colors were once bright. They no longer are. The things that I used to like, they're okay, but I don't, you know. <laughs> I'm that sad, rainy cloud. You know? No, 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 I'm not. I mean, you know, because we talked about that at the, when I went through coaching about uh, medication. And that didn't go so great because she goes, well, you know, you didn't test out conclusively for ADHD. So, you know, a lot of these things come from depression. So how about we put you on a antidepressant for a bit? And so I was prescribed Prozac. I go, hey, you know, I'll, I'll try anything. And I took that, and it's weird, but that made me really depressed. It's like, it's like, you know, like it, it's cutting off the peaks and valleys. Although it cut off the peaks, I don't think it really filled in the valleys at all. But it's just like uh, everything was just kind of. Oh. So are you still taking that? And <laughs> no, I stopped that. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, have you revisited this at the doctor? No, because I had to reschedule my appointment, and so that was in. I think early part of June. Okay. And so my next appointment, I got follow up obviously, but September, September, that's a long yeah. time. I know. So I wanted it because I, I tried Wolbutrin and, but that was before coaching and everything. So, because, you know, just for everybody to know, I have trouble getting started doing things, keep on task, stuff like that, typical type of symptom. But when I was taking the Wolbutrin, Hey, I got my energy. I was really hyper. But I didn't have any like direction, any focus. So I was just like even more all over the place. I, I bounced between things even faster. <laughs> okay. Um that's interesting. How what do you remember what uh dosage you were on? Uh not really. It was really low. One fifty, maybe. <laughs> maybe lower than that. I think okay. it was like maybe one hundred, maybe okay. half of that. Okay. Um hmm. So, you know, medication can certainly be, you know, because it, it medication so often guides both our internal uh, processes and our external behaviors. Right. You know, for me, without medication, I have a lot going on, you know, up in the head, but there's nothing actually happening out in the world. Like, it's just I'm just like stuck. It's like, you know, all these things I'm going to do if I can just get my ass out of the chair. Right. It's like. You know, so, so medication gets my ass out of the chair, right? Um, with dialoguing with your wife, what's the worst thing that happens when you're having a hard conversation with your wife? You know, backing it up just a little bit, sure. I think the hardest thing, the worst thing is that when we have co- hard conversations, they don't escalate up into it. We have hard conversations because something escalated and boiled over so for the most part when i i didn't express it well but i wanted to like have conversations before have preemptive things like instead of getting upset or getting passive aggressive about something you know talking about before so how often do you not say something that you actually want to say in a situation even if it's a minor thing but you just let it go 
times per day or frequency like just give us a general a lot okay what about your wife not as much are are you sure have you have you asked her about that um well i i haven't asked her but i think if she's holding her tongue then there's a lot there's a lot in there so yeah, one of the things, uh, Derek, that that um, you know, my my wife and I, we've been there for ten years, um, and when we got married, one of the things I incorrectly believed uh, that we had such an amazing relationship because I could count the amount of arguments we had on one hand, and then I learned of like, oh shit, that's actually not a good sign. Um, and so we've been doing some work uh, on this. And, you know, even this week, uh, we've had some really, some really good talks because um, I I got I sort of snapped about something that was clearly not just about that thing. Um, and so one of the things was about like, we I just said, we need to fight more. Like, we need to say the thing that's on our mind because if, when we don't, it builds up and then it develops, it will develop into resentment. And so we need to have more frequent like mild conflict conversations so they don't blow up into these huge, you know, these huge things. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, my wife has always identified as just a conflict avoidant person and which I always found very frustrating until I took a really, really hard look at myself and I said that, oh, well, that's convenient because I guess I am too, but I was just thinking it was just her. Um, <laughs> you know, and so we're really, you know, so it requires work and it's hard, right? But I think that, for for me, and I think this is true in a lot of relationships, when you can have those hard conversations, those conversations that are sometimes kind of scary to have and and because you don't you don't know the outcome and there's emotion involved in it. And the more you can have those and come to resolution, that's to me is emotional intimacy. And I think with emotional intimacy, you feel much more ready and able and strong to show up in your best way, right? And I know that, you know, being a parent uh, with with kids who are, you know, neurologically diverse um, is hard, man. And you got to really, I mean, it's up to you what you want to share about your, your family situation, but it's, um, you know, being that, that you have four kids, three on the spectrum, Right. Like, I think probably listeners who, who just heard me say that, they just probably went, holy crap. Right. I mean, it's that is hard as hell. Right. And so I, I hope that you and your wife both recognize how hard, how stressful that is, because it's it's I think part, you know, I heard when I heard you talk about, you know, the rainbows are just kind of they're kind of monochromatic. Right. Like. How much of that is depression? How much of that is just like, holy crap, like life is so hard because the demands are, are, are just insane, right? And do you guys have respite to have time with just you two? Sort of, yeah. When was the last time you and your wife went on a date? We have respite, but we haven't been really using it for really respite type things. It's like going over the bills. Um Oh, not that bad. Well, that that would be pretty good in a way too. But uh, like uh, my my wife's going through, and she's uh, she's uh, studying to get her MBA, so we'll do like homework of library, 
do some shopping, you know, we'll go out to eat, go to the library. So we used to do like some church counseling. Okay. And how was, how was that when you were doing it? That made me really angry. <laughs> really? What, can you? <laughs> because it wasn't, um, it was, because, you know, it, it was good intentions, but um, because I had one-on-one counseling with the same counselor, but then when we couples were together, when we were together, they were, the guilt was laid on really thick. And, you know, I already laid that on thick enough myself. And so there's like no, there's no like respite from that. And so it was really difficult. Mm. And it, it put me in a really bad mood for a while. I have to come back and like throw things around, break some garden tools, stuff like that. Is there, is there a possibility of finding another counselor? Sure. I guess there always is. I, we haven't really looked into that. I, and then, I mean, it was hard because they, we were, we started out with one uh, uh, resource and then we afforded to another one because uh the, you know, the special needs family challenges. And so uh, they gave us somebody who would be more suited for that. Um, I think we need to do something that is like more ADHD sensitive. Okay. Okay. Which is, I mean, it's a good idea. I had not thought about that until you brought that up. Audrey? Um, Yeah. I was wondering in terms of, because I am also very conflict avoidant. So I, I understand putting off that conversation and feeling awkward when it happens. Um, and so I wondered if you and your wife have ever tried maybe having like a, you know, I don't know, a weekly or every other week, however often feels appropriate to you, um, have some sort of like scheduled check-in meeting with each other where maybe there's other things that you do during that time too. Like, I don't know, like you said, going over bills and that kind of stuff, but also just having... Like having That's that time is like, okay, if we need to rumble a little bit about something that isn't to the point where like it has built up enough where it's going to turn into a conflict, right? And like, yeah. I'm not ready to bring it where I guess what I'm saying is like your tendency would not be to bring it up at this point because it's not a big deal yet. Like this is sort of your scheduled time where both of you have a chance to talk about those things. That's a really um, good idea. Because I was thinking about, I think that if you were both comfortable doing that, I think it could help not just in terms of not letting things build up to where they now spill over and the emotions are higher, but um, a related thing I thought it might help with is I don't, I don't know if you've, have you ever tried like writing out your thoughts about something before a difficult conversation just to kind of get them straight in your own head? Yeah. If we forgot about this, but we used to like, you know, Hey, you can write me an email about something to explain things. And that, that went over pretty well. And I think I did that once and I forgot about okay. that until just now. Okay. So I was wondering, cause that, that helps me a lot, get my thoughts organized. Cause otherwise I feel like I already have a tendency to over explain and ramble. And then in an emotional situation, like a conflict, I just go round and round and round and I don't ever feel like I'm getting out what I want to say. So the other advantage I was thinking of having this sort of regularly scheduled you know, mild rumble is that it gives you it like it gives you a chance to know it's coming. And so if it is helpful to write something out, even just for yourself, that might make it less stressful in the moment because you've had a chance to think through like, okay, what is it that I want to talk about? What's going on? How is that making me feel? What do I think we can do about it? Um, so that's a thought. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. That's a good idea. You know, I was thinking the whole thing with the resentment, it's almost like the, um, like somebody gets your name wrong. And you don't, you don't correct them on it. I never correct people on it. And then, you know, the neighbor. Now we're all probably wondering, have we been saying it wrong? 
<laughs> it's, yeah, Rick, you guys have all been staying around. <laughs> I've been taking it. No, but like I had a neighbor like the other street over and she was calling me like Jeff or something like that for like a couple of years. And I was going, it's not a big deal until it's a big deal. And then, you know, it's like, you know, she hears my kids not calling me Jeff and she feels bad and just like going, well, yeah, it's, I answered to, Hey, you with a face. So, I mean, it's, it was. No, but I think what, what Audrey was saying, I think can be really helpful. And I also think that, you know, when you've recognized that there's this pattern, right? Instead of like trying a new strategy next time there's an issue, having the, your next conversation really be about how you have conversations, how you bring up these difficult things, the things that you're struggling with, the things that you want to try and, and having, you know, say this, a, a space to, to practice and know that you're trying these different things and to keep coming back to this to see like, hey, how, how do we think this worked, right? Because the worst time to try to like deal with how to, how to fight is in a fight, right? Uh, Madeline. Yeah, Audrey kind of stole my thing. All right, then let's go to <laughs> Bill. Unless you have some data. All right. Well, kind of. Um, I had a thought as far as like carry around a notebook or write it down on your phone every time something happens that you don't communicate. Because what I've noticed is if something happens that I don't that I don't communicate, I'll forget what it was, but the resentment that I still remember the emotion behind what happened. Yep. That's a, such a truism that we don't remember the details of a situation. We just remember the emotions and how we felt around that situation. Um, I have to say that when I'm, when I'm doing my parent trainings, I'm teaching like, like stop fighting with your kids over homework. If this is like your every single day, because in 30 years, they're not going to remember what that fight was about for that math assignment. What they're going to remember is how it felt growing up at home. Right. All right. uh, Let's go to Bill. Yeah. The thing about remembering, you know, I don't remember the details, but my wife always does. So (laughs) that makes it hard. I've been married 30 years over 30 years, probably 32. And uh, it's funny. I have four kids and three are on the spectrum too, (laughs) except they're all adults now. I don't think I knew that though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been amazing. And also on top of that, had ADHD, but also had traumatic brain injury. And so it maximized all these difficulties. So, you know, my wife have had to really work through learning how to communicate and work through these things. And so often the trouble I would have is it's almost like while I'm talking with her, I'm discovering it. It's like I'm talking out loud. I'm thinking out loud and I'm not really communicating. I'm thinking and it confuses her because she cannot understand the way my brain works. And so I think it's real important, at least for me, uh, to also understand uh, because sometimes I wouldn't even be aware of the emotion I felt. I would be disconnected from my emotions consciously. Subconsciously, I'd know it. Consciously, I was disconnected from it. So I've had to learn how to really spend some time looking at myself, thinking about it, working through those ideas so that I'm not, I don't know if you do this, but I, you know, you said you try to explain the way you were thinking, you know, when you're doing something like that. And I found it to cause me real trouble because I'm not saying what I've been thinking. I'm thinking, I'm speaking what I'm thinking, if that makes sense. It's, it's called being a verbal processor. And I, and I am very yes. much also a verbal processor where I often don't know what I'm thinking until I say it. Um, and so... <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, there's been a lot of like, oh man, like confusing 
situations for people because of that. Like they think the thing I'm saying, it's like, what made you think that I was actually like thinking that I was just saying it to figure out what my thoughts were. So in these situations, one of the the things that, that I try to communicate, I don't always, but I do try is I just seem to kind of think out loud right now. Um, And so I think that, with people who you are in relationships with, um, you know, if this kind of stuff comes up, um, sort of having them sort of have that awareness of that and giving them that, that permission to be like, is this where you're thinking or are you just sort of like trying to process right now? So That's good, Eric. You know, Michelle and I, my wife, we've had to figure under, we've had to talk about this so that we understand what's happening. So it gives her more patience and understanding of where I'm coming from. So, I can't tell you how important it's been for my marriage to talk about how we're thinking about things, why we're saying the things so that we could understand kind of the perspective we may be coming from. It makes it easier. Yeah, because sometimes we are our own like ADHD meme. We're, we're, we're just as surprised as everybody else after what comes out of our mouth. So um, with that, let's take a, uh, one more quick break and then we will, uh, we will be right back. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons who support ADHD Rewired each month over at ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. If you've been listening for a while, do you think you've listened to over 100 or maybe 200, maybe 250 episodes or maybe all 281 episodes? What has that been worth to you? Your support helps me to cover the cost of editing and production of this podcast, which is typically over $500 a month. If ADHD Rewired has helped you feel less alone, if it's helped you learn about different tools and strategies, if it's helped you feel understood, if you're able to become a patron, patrons at different levels get different perks starting at just $5 a month, or you can join our monthly action coaching call on Zoom every fourth Tuesday of the month at 3 p.m. Central when you give $25 a month or more. Whatever you can give, I want you to know how much I truly appreciate your support. It only takes a minute to become a patron. The website again is ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. And thanks. Don't forget, you can join me and Brendan Mahan, the host of ADHD Essentials, our other podcast, every second Tuesday of the month at 1230 p.m. Central for an hour of live Q&A. To register for our live Q&A sessions, it's absolutely free. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. We'll see you there. All right, we are back. We're going to jump right in. Uh, we were talking about verbal processing uh, a bit uh, right before the break, and um, Aggie has a, a comment or question. Okay, so um, when I was listening to you talk about um, having the extra time for communicating or maybe just checking in with yourself, um, I was wondering how open you were to maybe thinking about how you can get more respite time um, because I think there's a lot of services where you can get more time from your um, case manager at the regional center and you have three kids on the spectrum. So you can um, request a ton more time. Um, I know a lot of parents don't know 
all of the resources that are out there. And it's really hard making that connection. And my experience working with special needs parents, families is there's so much out there and people don't even know it. And so I had worked with parents to make that connection, but it's almost like a coaching piece in itself um, because it's so much to keep track of and handle and get set up. And so there's tons of great resources and it's not urgent, but not important, important, but (laughs) urgent. I mix that one up in my head, but I think it really would be a beneficial um, route to go to get you a little bit more space and take more off your plate so that maybe you had a little more time for you and for you and your wife. Yeah. And can I say that you are so great, you and your wife, what you're doing are your miracle workers every day at baseline. And like I second that every, hands down, like, like you just like make it work every day with, uh, and I see you do it. So Derek, like you're awesome. You're amazing. You know, credit to my wife because my wife, because I mean, we're not, I mean, she, she checks all the resources. I mean, I, I know that there's probably, we could get more respite hours, but I mean, she's really researches like, uh, you know, all the therapies and respite and stuff like totally. that. It's a full-time job. No, we definitely need more help. You know, yeah, thanks Agnes. And Derek, one of the things that I, that I wonder too, you know, it's, I mean, you guys saw as, as admin that like one of the changes that, that, um, we need, I needed to do is move admin meetings to non group days because like my brain was just fried. Like it was, it was, and like when, when I'm, when for me, when I'm overwhelmed, like, I can barely string together thoughts, let alone the words that are coming from those thoughts, right? And so I wonder how much of this is just like, you're just overstressed, you know? And that's why it's so hard to communicate. It could be because, you know, learning about executive functioning and things like that, and then being more aware of it. And then, you know, we talked about that that dental visit meltdown thing. And, you know, that was a really good example of, you know, I got back home and, I just couldn't do anything. I just sit there and it, it took like a really long time, like 15 minutes to do like a three minute type thing. And, you know, a lot of times we have conversations in the evening and, you know, but I, I've kind of learned from coaching that, you know, I just need to express things. And so sometimes I'll just say, Hey, you know what? I, I'm really having trouble, you know, making decisions right now, or, you know, even in conflict, I go, Hey, you know, can we, not talk about this right now. Can we talk about this later? But, you know, it could probably be done in an even better way. When you do that, how do you make sure you come back to it? I don't. Okay. I think it's really, really important because I think that that can sometimes be a really important strategy to say, hey, like we need to talk about this, but right now, like my brain isn't ready for this or I'm just too frazzled or whatever it is. But it's also super important to have a place where you can put that thing so so your your partner like trusts the fact that you're gonna come back to it. Right. Otherwise they can feel that you're just blowing them off. It's a straight arm. Right. So maybe it's a dry erase board in the kitchen or um, you know, just something to to jot the that down or put even you know, do you guys share a calendar? Yeah. Maybe even like schedule a uh, something on your calendar together that has the topic of that conversation as an appointment. Yeah. So it's not just a, hey, you ready to talk about that thing? What thing? Well, you said we're going to talk about that in a day. It's been a day. Oh, crap. Right. Because, you know, if it's not now, when? Right. Roxy? Um, piggybacking off of something that Audrey said earlier about kind of that 
intentional weekly time um, to go over things. And then with what Eric just said, um, I'm going, I'm thinking that something that you and I talked about uh, reading a book or something that you have this, this um, thing that's sort of, you know, objective and outside of whatever the issue is to kind of facilitate. So whether it was crucial conversations or um, gifts of imperfection, if you had an hour while the kids were having breakfast or doing something for the two of you to just sit down and read one chapter, then you could have a jumping off point and you could be processing things that, that could be issues, but aren't issues that you're trying to, um, you know, address in the, in the moment. It's like what you said, how you'd like ideally to be able to talk about things before they become these really big issues. So, um, if that's something that you could do, um, you might even be able to add to that what Eric was saying, um, and maybe even in the margins of the book or in the front of the book during the week, write down things that are on your mind so you don't forget or things you do want to come back to. And that could be part, you know, that could be part of the time. So that's uh, some thoughts on that. And then um, I had another thought. And that was using your body as a cue more often to let you know when you're going into resentment or when you're not protecting your own boundaries. Um, so if it were in a conversation, if it were me and my head's going, I might be thinking so much about how to end the conversation and that maybe won't help me. But if I say, I don't have to think, but anytime I get that feeling in my chest or in my stomach, I know it's time to end it. And then I, I can just kind of shut up and then get out of it a little more quickly. And I was wondering if that could be helpful or if you're not sure, um, if you're not sure if a conversation's going wacky, but you have that feeling. Um, you could sort of stop and note that and, and see if it gives you help. And then, sorry, the last thing, which was a biggie. And then I'll be quiet. The last thing is, I'm wondering if the whole, um, sometimes if you're not just being a peacemaker, because that's kind of what good Christians do, right? Like, we, you know, there's sometimes it's about trying to to take one for the team and and I'll speak for myself like I grew up thinking sometimes what I wanted and needed would cause a conflict if I brought that to the table or it would be selfish maybe I just needed to think about that other person maybe my job was to understand them and to give to them and to be sure they were okay and in doing so I missed a lot of the things that I needed and I missed the validation and I didn't recognize that me taking care of me and having needs and expressing them was actually going to make me better at doing those other things. So I wonder if that part of you that's great and wants to take one for the team sometimes compromises you in your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's kind of like the kind of stoicism aspect of, yeah, there's this external force or influence and, it's not about me changing them. It's me changing how I receive it. I, what do I really have control of? I have control of myself. So it's about me dealing with that 
um, you know, uh, being influenced by that and how I take it and how I perceive it and how I overcome it. And it's up to me. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And, and I think too, with that, you know, we, we often hear like in, in any relationship, you know, you're, you're in control of 50% of it. Like, I don't know any person that is completely in control of themselves, at least within ADHD, right? So, which is why I think in a relationship, it's so important to sort of acknowledge this and then have have that sort of, I don't know, I guess like a, that symbiotic sort of relationship of like acknowledging that like, you know, maybe we were in control of like 40% of ourselves and sometimes our brain just like does these things that we don't really want it to do. And it's... You know, and so having sort of that open conversation, that awareness, that dialogue around, like, these are the things that tend to happen. Like, these are the things that I'm not meaning to do. Here's how we can respond to the, these things when they do happen. So we can continue to, to try better. I think that you you would say like, you don't want to use things as, as an excuse. And I don't think that any of us here want to use our ADHD as an excuse. But it is an explanation, Right. And I think it's when you can have an explanation, then we can also look at, all right, so what types of things might we be able to do to do better? Right. Um, Madeline. Yeah. This is something that's helped me a lot with asking what I need for. Sentence is weird. But anyway, is if you don't ask for what you need, you are taking away the other person's uh, choice to say yes or no. Hmm. That's yeah, good. That's good. That is good. Bill. Another thing that's really helped me since my wife and I have been communicating and so often she can see where I am better than myself and we're out someplace. She'll see that I'm starting to be overwhelmed by conversation or talk. And she knows that if I do that, when we get home, I'll be out. It's like I will be no good for anything, sometimes for all day if I overdo it. And so we've worked some nonverbal cues out. So now that she kind of understands more how I work and when it's draining me, you know, she's amazing and she's helped to move me out of those situations too, so that I still have my best self for what is most important in my family. Derek, how much of this it, would you say is not just about um, like communication and what you need, but is about like trusting yourself and trusting um trusting the dialogue and the communication process. Um, I think that's a lot of it. It's a lot of trust. And then it's also, you know, unfairly, you know, how much I trust the other party to accept what's going on or to understand um, or, you know, to forgive or, or basically just understanding. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is trust where, you know, you're talking about trusting the process where, you know, in my head, I'll go, well, you know, I, I talked about this in my mastermind where, you know, I'll see things in like chess moves. I'll see things like, you know, 10 moves out and I'm going, well, this is going to lead to this and that's going to lead to that. And that's going to lead to that. And that's going to lead to conflict. And then I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to go break a rake or something like that. So, Hey, I'm just not going to do that at all. One of the, the, um, some I have in my hand here, uh, Rising Strong, uh, the Brene Brown book, um, and there's an area where she's talking about uh, about trust. And um, so in this chapter, um, uh, there's a section where she talks about rumbling with trust, and she has this acronym for, for uh, braving, and it has to do with uh, um, 
trust in ourselves and trusting others. Um, and so she says that it's this, it serves as this checklist when she's rumbling with trust issues uh, with other people uh, in her life. So I want to just share this, uh, her, her acronym for braving. All right. Um, so the first B is uh, boundaries. You respect my boundaries. And when you're not clear about what's okay and not okay, you ask, you're willing to say no. Real, um, reliability. You do what you say you'll do. So when we're talking about like, uh, like I can't talk about this now, but let's talk about it later. You know, that element of like, let's make sure you're coming back to talking about this later, right? Um, accountability. Uh, you own your mistakes, apologize, and make amends. Uh, vault. You don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. Uh, I need to know that my confidences are kept and that you're not sharing uh, with me any information about other people that should be confidential. Uh, I for integrity. You choose courage over comfort. You choose what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. And you choose to practice your values rather than simply professing them. Non-judgment, the end. Uh, I can ask for what I need and you can ask for what you need. We can talk about how we feel without judgment. And I think that's a real big one. And then uh, generosity. Uh, you extend the most generous interpretations possible of the intentions, words, and actions of others. So what, what kind of came up for you when I was, uh, when I was sharing that with you? Um, I think, I think not just because you said it last, but the generosity, because I'm not gonna have my wife watch this, but, um, I think for myself, I always try to, you know, give somebody like a reason for doing something and, you know, not the worst. And my wife and I were kind of different that way where, you know, so kind of, I kind of skew positive. She kind of skews negative. And so, it, yeah, there's, there's things that come about from that. So I think, I, I think having that out there, just being generous and, you know, setting the boundary that we're going to be generous in things. I think that really helps. I mean, that really goes into the boundaries and expectations type thing. Actually, one thing I do want to ask, and you, you mentioned this, that, that fear, you've got fear. And I'm wondering if you know where that fear came from, kind of where, where the, the seed of the fear you feel, that might be worth kind of examining, kind of look at yourself. Yeah, that can go really far back. I think, yeah. you know, I think it goes back. I, I don't really think that my feelings are, I discount my feelings because I, I doubt their worth. And I think this goes back to, gosh, we're going to get back into mommy and daddy issues. But, but my, <laughs> it's my all parents, their fault. It always is. I, I had, I had a really loving, you know, upbringing and everything. And, and, you know, it, it was fine. It was just that it wasn't, necessarily ideal for, for who I am and what, what I'm dealing with. But, you know, I didn't always feel that my, my, my feelings, my wants were necessarily valued as much. And, you know, I've thought about this and there's a really quick story that, you know, when I was a kid, we had, my mom took us to take some, some pictures, some portraits. I remember I didn't really stand up to my mom too much because my mom is like a really strong woman, but she, 
we, we were taking these pictures. I remember, and this is size like four years old, something like that. And we, we warred over the 72s. We warred over whether or not I was going to wear these like really pretty much stipe, striped pants. And I remember I didn't want to wear them and she wanted me to wear them. And we warred on this. And, you know, I, I want to say that it went for like a half hour and I lost. And, you know, the thing is, those pictures are all from the waist up. <laughs> I did not, I didn't have to wear pants at all. I could have worn shorts, like whatever thing, but, but I remember that. And so, you know, it, it is just, you know, kind of beating down going all, Hey, you know, it, I mean, that that's just a, a part of it. And, you know, I, I love my mom and, but it's just, you know, sometimes with, you, you got to let this is another story. I remember I was playing with my, my, my cousins, my aunts, Akita, and I was playing with it. It was a puppy. And she said, I was playing tug of war with it. And she goes, Hey Derek, you know, you're supposed to let them win. Otherwise you'll break their spirit. I was going, Oh, and I let go of it. But I think, I think my spirit got a little bit broken. By having to let go of it or by being told that. <laughs> No, not well. Not not about the dog story. That was just like that was just an example. My spirit didn't get broken there, but you know the growing up part. You know, I didn't get I didn't get a chance to really win. Got it. See, this is one of those things where I didn't think I needed to explain that. That's that's primarily sometimes I'm slow on the uptake. You know, it's uh, that was that was funny though. (laughs) I, I appreciated that, but. Yeah, for the purposes of explanation and keeping everybody making this educational instead <laughs> just fun. You know, and and uh, and Derek, it, it's so I was actually, you know, in your in your uh, mastermind, there is this like you you didn't want to you want to make sure that you were um, coming off as you uh, are intending and coming off. And I have come to understand that you you are a pretty funny and sarcastic person. And your sarcasm tends to be very dry and delivered in a very like, you have to know you to, you know, so just something to be mindful of that it is possible that in your head, you're like, this is funny as shit, right? But you're not cracking a smile, which makes the delivery for, for a sarcastic joke good unless it's not received as a joke so uh and maybe uh you know you could practice in the mirror like the one eyebrow like going up you know just to 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 indicate something that you're actually messing around a little bit you know because you do have this very calm even keel demeanor so when you say something like that it's it can sometimes uh be missed i mean maybe it was just me that missed that but i think it's uh you know I, i think that could potentially happen yeah well i mean it's kind of a defense mechanism too because you're going hey i'm kind of throwing this joke out there oh not funny that wasn't really a joke mm. i think i don't know okay, I think that's okay. Just hmm. um complicated you know aren't we all aren't we all what are their uh what are the thoughts or questions do you have uh derek for us that we can as we start wrapping this up yeah i think you know one thing i wanted to get to and roxy i hope you don't mind us me bringing up like our thing, um, like with the boundaries and expectations, um, I'm dragging Roxy into this, but when we're, we are being admins and I am supposed to be the lead admin and she's supposed to be the team's admin. Um, just a little bit of background. I, I missed the, uh, the, the accountability team breakout. And that seemed like that was a lot of work and getting the, the spreadsheet set up for them. I felt really bad about that. And I saw the work she was doing. And then I saw all the work that she was doing in the teams. And because I was feeling 
pretty worthless and uh, not um, uh, contributing um, on my end. And I saw Broxy bouncing amongst the teams and things like that. And I was thinking, hey, all I'm doing is reading off a spreadsheet about one things and taking role not very well and timely. I need to be doing more. And so I was going, I see Roxy doing all this stuff. I need to be getting into teams and checking on them too. And so I kind of stepped on her toes a little bit there. And then also um, with the ad, just with those teams in general, with the WhatsApp groups, I kind of didn't set any boundaries on myself. So I was always checking what they're doing. And I had the alert set for a long time going, Hey, so-and-so said something in, in group three. That sounds really important. Hey, nobody's responded for five minutes. That needs to be followed up on. I'm going to follow up on it. I see how they're doing. And so, you know, not everything, everything can sit, not everything's an emergency, you know, on Saturday at, you know, eight in the morning, just because I'm up, it doesn't mean that, but I mean, everything was a, a fire for me. And then it's going, well, I'm giving this kind of level right now. I have to keep going with this. And so, you know, it's like kind of going, I shouldn't be doing this, but I need to do this. And I was just like a mess. And, you know, I, I was like kind of invading, encroaching on, on Roxy's territory and making her feel not so good. And I didn't want to do that. And I didn't think about that at all. Could, but I mean, it's could not- we check in with Roxy and find out what her perception of that was? Yeah. So my, my perception of that was, um, I wasn't, clear enough um and that made it easy to go on so it wasn't just Derek I mean I was not wanting him to be discouraged and I didn't want him to not be able to have fun with the team because I knew he liked it but we didn't talk about that until a little ways in and even then I don't think I talked very like I I think I could have been a lot more clear and we could have we just, I think that we've talked enough that we could have done it a lot differently, but it wasn't just all Derek running with the flag. Like I was enabling a lot of it because of my own fear and concerns about, you know, how it was going to come across and reading your mind and assuming what you were going to think, you know, that, that's on me. So all of these stories became magnified because they weren't shared with anybody because they were just occurring in, in, in between each of your ears, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember that that you and I had a conversation, and you were like, "I'm afraid I'm just coming off as a bitch." And I'm like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> right." And it's like I told Derek, yeah, totally. Right, and we, you know, I think this is true for all of our relationships. Like, and this is a, a phrase from Brene Brown. And there's all there's a lot of different ways we could say this, but when you start something, say by by saying. You know, right now, the story that I'm telling myself about this is, right? Like, just set it up that way and then, and then dance with it. Right. You know, cause it's like, it's amazing how often, um, I, I will use that, whether it's with, with my wife or, uh, with Brianna. And it's just like, I'm really glad I did that reality check because it couldn't have been further from what I was thinking was going on. Right. And then when we start to realize it's, it, when it, I have found the more I do that, the it almost becomes like a almost humorous exercise because like I when I recognize that it's safe to do this and then I recognize that when I'm feeling these strong feelings and I'm I'm like ruminating a bit and I'm recognizing that, OK, this is like creativity's dark side kind of uh, uh, coming up a little bit and I just like say it. 
it's it allows for that safe space to be like, no, I wasn't even thinking about that thing. And so it's when you can sort of get in the habit of of using those kinds of, of checking ins, right? It becomes really easy to just say, hey, I'm just want like, you know, I know I left the dishes in the sink and I'm, the story I'm telling myself is you're really pissed about it because I promised that I was going to do better about it. And I was, but I forgot this morning, you know, and that this might may or may not be a conversation that happened recently in my house. And, you know, and my wife may or may not have said, oh, I didn't even notice. So, <laughs> you know, just just check in, just check in. Yeah, the, the like one or two times I've done that, the story I'm telling myself is, it worked really well. And then I forget to do it. I just need to, but it, it helps so much more to, I mean, it helps writing things out. I think I probably need to journal, but it helps getting things down thoughts, but it just helps so much more to be able to actually tell somebody something. And then like the story I'm telling myself. So you're, you're telling it, it's almost like in a third person type thing so that yeah. you can both laugh with that instead of at that type thing. So, yeah. It's really powerful when I've used it. All right, there. Just one other um, uh, suggestion that I would have uh, on all this. Um, I don't know if you know who uh, Melissa Orlove is. She does a lot of work on ADHD and couples um, relationships, and she has uh, some uh, groups and and uh, I think classes uh, that she offers. Um, and I'm pretty sure she also has a couple books um, that might be helpful. And so you, it will give you sort of this guide of how do you, how do you have these relationships, uh, or these, these conversations, um, that, you know, most couples need to have, right. And also having the ADHD, uh, component in there as a component of, uh, you know, of the relationship. So I would encourage you to, to check out uh, her work as well. And I've, I've had her on the podcast uh, a, a while back. Um, so um, with that, what um, are there any commitments that you'd like to, to make here? Yeah, well, I'm going to commit to rewatching this whenever it's posted. No pressure on Brianna or anything. But um, and then I'm going to commit to being generous and being trusting and, you know, just trusting uh, conversations, uh, process and, and really trusting my wife more, you know, instead of just telling myself stories and like taking bad experiences and, you know, just being more trusting and loving that way, which, you know, I, I've, I realized that I discount her too much and our relationship too much. And I'm always brought back to that realization after we've had like, you know, a hard conversation and because everything always comes back normal and everything's really good, but we don't have to go through that every time. And I, I just need to trust that. And I would just, you know, ask you to think about where can you maybe put some of these realizations about uh, the conversations that, that you want to be having and, and the things you want to be thinking about your wife. So you're not forgetting them all the time. Is there a place you can post this? So you're reading it every day. So it becomes like part of the thing that's, you know, kind of rebooted into your brain on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because I have all sorts of reminders and things like that. So like I have a, a reminder and affirmation that we can do hard things. Actually, I see that, but, you know, check my schedule, stuff like that. So actually, I, I'm open to, to tips on that because I said, you know, I can have a reminder linked to a file and I read that, but I just go, oh, hey, that came up. I'm doing something else right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even find a, a quote that you like that sort of embodies 
some of these ideas and get it um uh, get a frame like put it make a little piece of art out of it um so yeah i think it's uh i think this is a really great conversation i think this is something that, that so many of us uh wrestle with and and like so many areas of our adhd we have really good intentions and relationships and communications i think are some of the hardest things we do as human beings right so i think it's it's let's not try to just shoot from the hip let's actually like there's so much information about there of ways that are helpful and and patterns that are predictably not helpful right and uh, i think like most things i think when we know better we can do better right and when we know better and don't and we realize that we didn't we get to get up and practice again yeah keep getting back up that's right that's right all right well uh derek thank you uh for for this hot seat uh yeah. You bet. We will uh, sure circle back uh, in the future to find out kind of how things are going. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Eric. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? 
Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear. The Body Keeps Score by Bessel von der Kolk. 10% Happier and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I will be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tiggers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.